Hello, you're listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I'm your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 19, where today I am talking to Gina. Hi, Gina. Hi, Lily. Thank you so much for doing this today. Sure. And I just have to introduce you because you are actually getting your doctorate in just a couple months, and you are the first person I've talked to who has been doing research in the NPE field, correct? That is correct. I am. I'm so excited about that because mm-hmm. you are an NPE, and you, you actually know a little bit about this. This is so new for so many of us, so yes. I am oh, I'm just I'm glad you're here, and it's time for you to share your story. You know how this goes, right? I do, yes. Okay, great. So why don't you, if you don't mind, take it from the beginning and let us know what your original family was like and a little bit about your childhood, and you can you can take it from there. Okay, I will. Um, all right, so I was born in 1969, in the beginning of 1969. In fact, my birthday was last week. I'm 51. I think that's relevant when I listen to these stories. I kind of always am curious the age when people give it. I love that. Um, my mom was 19 when she had me. My dad was 20. Um, as I understood the story that was always shared with me, my mom was at college and she wasn't going to classes or she was failing. She wasn't something, something academic related. And so she just kind of left in the uh, second semester of her freshman year. And then I guess she realized she was pregnant to my dad, who'd been her boyfriend since high school. And, um, you know, they got married. That's what they did back then, mostly. And so they got married. And about six months after that, um, I was born. And it's funny because, you know, stories of your childhood um, come back when things like this happen. And I was always told how late I was born, how I was really due in December. And I, I, I just couldn't come out. I wouldn't come out. And I didn't come out till January. And I was six pounds, like I was born right on time, which kind of makes me laugh now that I know the other pieces to my story. But, you know, we absorb that as our truth because that's what we're told, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so soon after I was born, my mom and dad were not doing well. I would guess my mom had some postpartum depression, but no one ever diagnosed her. We never really talked about that. But knowing her now, I, I think that probably was a part of her story. Um, within a couple of years, she was having an affair with my dad's best friend, which was pretty awful. And I think my dad caught them and it was pretty rough for him. Um, I don't recall any of this, of course. I was little. Um, but he transferred. He decided he wanted to transfer from where he was working to another facility a few hours away. And you know, wanted to forgive her and work through it and and move us as a family. And so she came along initially, but she just couldn't seem to do it. She just wasn't the settle down type. I mean, she probably was 21 at the time. She's young. Um, She'd stay for a few weeks or a few months, and then she'd head back to where we were from two and a half hours away. My dad adored her. Um, He seemed to want to do anything to keep her happy. Um, He tried to figure it out despite that affair. He had a vasectomy in his early 20s. Um, 
because she said she didn't want any more children and asked him to do that. And he did. Um, he's the oldest of eight kids. So my, my idea would be that he probably wanted to have more than one child. Um, but she just, no matter what he did, she wouldn't, she wasn't going to stick around. So he became a single father when I was about three. So it's 1972 now. And we're, it's just he and I, which is really not that common back then. Um, he was, a, he was a hardworking dad. He worked shift work. Um, we were two hours away from family. I had a very lonely childhood. Um, I just was always craving some attention. I had a series of babysitters. Um, my dad, like I said, was working shift work. So he was gone, you know, different weeks at different times, you know, and sometimes I'd be sleeping and I would miss him. Sometimes he needed to be sleeping and I had to be quiet. Um, you know, I always sought out the nice neighborhood moms and my elementary teachers were all female. I did all I could do to get their attention and their positive feedback on anything. I just wanted that, um, mom's love and attention. Um, I rarely saw my mom grow up when I was growing up. She would call occasionally, but I really just didn't see her a whole lot. They finally decided to get divorced when I was nine officially. I think at that time my dad had met, uh, who became my stepmother. And so I think they wanted to get married and of course he had to get divorced. So my father married my stepmother soon after my, um, mother also married the man she had the affair with, um, which I thought was interesting. So growing up with my father and my stepmother, there was lots of fighting, um, lots of smoking, um, alcoholism. Um, it was our normal, but as I got older and I spent time with friends as a teenager, I realized that my normal was not a healthy normal at all. It just was the way our house was, um, you know, we kept a lot of secrets that way. No one talked about it, um, but I knew it was wrong. I knew there were things that shouldn't be happening. Um, the way parents talk to people shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. So mom still wasn't around uh, that much. She also had significant issues with alcohol and um, domestic violence with her husband's. I didn't know it as a child. I didn't know it until I was a late teen. Um, when I was 16, I got a letter in the mail that she had had another baby and she had never had any other children. It was just me. Um, but she had a baby, uh, a girl It came in a letter. It was three weeks after she was born. Um, I didn't even know my mother was pregnant. I mean, that's the distance between us having a relationship. She didn't even tell me partly. I wonder now if she didn't tell me because, you know, I lived with my dad and she probably had some guilt over telling, asking him to have a vasectomy because he never had any other children. Um, so my half sister was born. And four years later, my mother died from alcoholism. So I was 20. My half-sister was four. So my mom, you know, raised me to about three and raised my sister till about four. And, you know, she she was really ill. She was young as 40-year-old. That's, that's young. Um, I can say that I never felt like I fit in my house growing up. I, I just didn't. I have several friends that I had since I was a kid. Um, you know, even at 51, I've had friends that I've had since I was 10. And, um, I always joked, I joked, I'm the one that said, I feel like I'm the milkman's daughter. I was the one saying that, which I hear other people say that now. And it makes me laugh. Um, because I just didn't click with my dad. Um, I loved him. He loved me, but that was like in the obligatory father daughter way you're supposed to. Uh, I think he was proud of me at times. He had trouble like telling me any of that. I was very emotional. I wanted to talk all the time. He wanted nothing to do with that. And so I just kept thinking, how are we related? So I had this fantasy that my mother was just like me and that that if I was with her, then, you know, we would have this connection. I mean, very strong feelings of this as a kid growing up. Um, my dad did the best he could. I, I'm, I cannot complain about my dad. Um, 
I wish he had had a healthier lifestyle, but he's a grown man and he made his own decisions. Um, he had some traumas in his life and some things um, that he needed to deal with and how he chose to deal with them were his decisions. But um, I just always wondered like why we couldn't connect and why my mother didn't want me. Um, my stepmother and I didn't connect either. Um, and that, that's probably more the stereotypical stuff, and, but it really was. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a rough time sometimes as a kid, but then my teachers and my friends' moms adored me. They loved me. They seemed to understand me more than my immediate family. They wanted to talk with me and spend time with me and like truly ask me a question about me. And I thought that is amazing. Okay. So I, there's some validity to, to how I'm feeling because other people want to ask me these questions. So, um, also, I'll say, and this is relevant to my story, but my maternal grandmother was my world growing up. She was hours away and she didn't drive. Um, my grandfather would have to drive her and we would sometimes meet halfway and they would take me for a few weeks in the summer. I didn't see her a lot, um, but saw her a lot more than my mother. And she was all things that my parents weren't. She was loving. She was generous. She was communicative. She was fun. She was funny. Everything had a system. We ate three meals a day. We went to bed at normal times. We watched, you know, the typical television shows. I mean, it was just a really lovely time. Um, at her house, there wasn't any alcohol. There wasn't smoking or yelling or fighting. It was my favorite place in the world to go. I just didn't feel like I got there very much. So as I grew up, I created the life I wanted for myself, ultimately. Um, I had a very clear memory as a fourth grader thinking, um, I want to have a home one day that doesn't touch anyone else's walls um, because I always lived in apartments and um, townhome type apartments and very distinctively. So I thought, okay, so how do you get that? Oh, money. Okay. How do you get money? College. Okay. Nobody's gone to college, but I'm going to figure that out. And I was very much a resilient kid growing up. I don't know why. I just, I'm grateful for it, but I don't know why. So, you know, ultimately here I am, I'm well-educated. I'm happy. I'm married. I have two teenage daughters who are healthy and happy and have zero kinds of uh, background that I have. They're aware of my background, but they, you know, they've had a very healthy, happy upbringing. It feels pretty typical. Um, I have very good boundaries with people who are unhealthy. My half-sister is an unhealthy person. I do not have a relationship with her right now. Um, and I've worked very hard to keep unhealthy people in my life away from my uh, family. I just, I feel like I had enough of it. Um, I had enough trauma. I had enough difficult times. I just don't want to continue with that. So that's my childhood in a nutshell, really. That I was just listening and nodding along when you were bringing up the point about the teachers and the neighborhood moms um, being, you know, especially being female and giving you attention and you just grasping onto that. I was, I never realized that I've, I had that same thing. I really loved the, when there was loving women in my life. Um, and I love what you're saying about how you're with your, with the wonderful family you've built now, how you're keeping the unhealthy people away <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you have good boundaries yourself, even though you weren't raised that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. now, Thank you for giving us the background. So why don't you feel free to tell us how you found out you were an NPE? Okay. So, um, yeah, it has a moment where it gets a little weird and follow me. Okay. <laughs> I might have a few people interested, but, but it is, it is fascinating and it is exactly what happened to me. But so, you know, like a lot of people, I think it's interesting and entertaining to learn about your heritage. Uh, there was always this talk that my great-great-grandmother was Native American. Um, I don't know how many families must say that, but uh, 
I haven't run into any of them yet um, that actually have that in their family. But we were, that's what we were told and that they removed all of her information from our family um, because there was shame attached to that back then. I don't know. My maiden name is very German. So I thought, well, let's see how German we are. That's That would be really interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I maybe perhaps thought this would be a way I could connect with my dad. Um, I really didn't think too hard about that at the time. But, you know, in, in retrospection now, I, I wonder. So I talked about it with my husband and my girls. And for my birthday in 2018, so it would be two years ago, they got me um, a My Heritage test. Um, all the people that I've spoken with, pretty much every single one has done Ancestry. I did My Heritage because I legitimately only cared about that and it was the cheaper test, which cracks me up now. Um, so the companies match the individuals within their own systems. So for me to have clicked with somebody in my heritage, they also have had to have done my heritage. And I, I bring this up too, because I had zero clue that I would connect to anybody. Um, you know, you start getting those fifth cousins and fourth cousins that really so remote. It doesn't, I don't even pay attention to that stuff at this point. And I, I just wasn't looking for that. I was only looking for my background, my, um, you know, what, what it would say my percentages of whatever were, which I've learned a lot about that now too. But, um, so, um, I joked about being the milkman's daughter, like I said, but I never actually thought I was somebody else's daughter. Um, I think I sent the test in in early February, about a month after my birthday. I wasn't too eager. I, whenever I got to it, I got my results at the end of February, or early March, as far as I remember, and I'm not German at all. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Whatever. There's no Native American. Not surprised, not shocked about that. It was interesting, but it wasn't a big deal. I even took my results to my dad. It was on my phone. And I said, hey, dad, we're not even German, by the way. He didn't appear to, appear to care in the least. Uh, after that, I just I put it away. So this is where things get weird for a minute. Um, March of 2018. I am driving in my car by myself. I had just dropped my one child off for a piano lesson. And I literally can smell my mother in my car. Like she's not there. She died in 1989. So she's not, she's not physically there, but she's something about her is around me. And I have not had an experience like that. And I was like, why are you here? What are you doing here? I don't understand. Soon after that was, it was over. And I chalked it up to, it was around her birthday. Her birthday was early March. Maybe she missed me. I had a, I had a client, I work in private practice in therapy and I had a client that was very similar to her and really reminded me of her. And I thought, well, perhaps she's here for that. I don't know. So it was weird, but I just let it go. A week later, I had the most vivid dream of my grandmother, the maternal grandmother I was always close to. She had died in 2012 at the age of 99, and she had lived with us for a period of time. In the dream, she was so solemn and she wouldn't say anything to me. And she was never like that in real life. She always was smiling, always had something to say. Um, so I woke up and I thought, Oh, that was really vivid. So I went to work the next morning and I discussed this with one of my close friends and she so sweetly reminded me that my mother, my grandmother had died on March 18th and it was March 19th. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that today. It was a Sunday. I didn't even think about it. So here was her anniversary of her death. And I thought, Oh, that must be that didn't sit well with me, but I figured it was just her, you know, whatever, having a visit, uh, whatever that means. But, um, these things haven't happened to me since. Um, and not really even before. Um, I had one experience with my mom right after she died because it was sudden and unexpected in 89 where I had a dream about her saying goodbye, but that was it. So um, now it's June of 2018. It's the day after Father's Day, irony fully intended, I'm sure, with the universe. And I'm in bed. It's 1130. 
I'm in um, classes for my doctorate. I'm doing some work. My husband's sleeping beside me. And I was thinking, I really need to just put this stuff away and go to bed. Um, and I see one of those emails pop up about my heritage has found another relative match. And I'm like, oh, good. Another fifth cousin from New Zealand. Fantastic. <laughs> so I laughed and I just, oh, this is silly. I'll look, do- I'll look at it anyway. And I clicked on it and it said, I matched to a male at 50%. And therefore the relation had to be father or son. And I just went, what? I don't have any sons. <laughs> like, oh. I, I certainly know what's happened in my life. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. I don't understand. So I'm like, huh? So I, I saw his name and I, I didn't, I didn't do much delving into it. I just thought this is just wrong. You know, I have that, that typical response sometimes to like something, something's off here. It'll be fixed by morning. So I went to bed. I didn't wake my husband. My mind was curious, but I was definitely assuming, you know, the test or the email, something was wrong. So the next morning, it's still in my brain. I wake up thinking about it. I looked, it was still there. And so I called a friend of mine who's a science teacher. And I just said, listen, you're in this like cone of confidentiality right now, but I just did this thing and could this be wrong? And he just laughed and he's like, Gina, it's DNA. Like it's, It doesn't lie. I'm like, this is crazy. This can't be true. So I go home and um, I'm off in the summer. I work in a school system during the school year. So in the summer I'm off. So I went home and I should be doing my schoolwork for my doctorate, but I'm you know, searching for this stuff because you, you get obsessed with it. It just becomes, it takes over. You just have to understand. And I think we're designed as humans. Our brains want to make sense of these things. So when you get it to make sense, even if it's crazy, it makes sense. So I began searching for the man. I started with the tree that was in their my heritage account. Um, and it listed the man as deceased. And I thought, well, that's convenient. At least I won't have to meet anybody. So, um, cause my dad's still living. Um, I became pretty obsessed trying to figure it out though. I reached out to the person who managed the tree, but she didn't respond. Uh, I found her through other modes and reached out, but got no response. And um, I couldn't find an obituary for the deceased name, the, I'll say father, the deceased father. Um, eventually I searched the other members of the family. Um, I, I paid like something a tiny bit extra for like a, a very short promotional time so I could see more in depth um, and I got all that stuff and I got all the names, first and last names. And I started reading all the obituaries from all of the people that were listed in the tree. And I kept finding the way they would connect and they would say so-and-so, you know, son and uh, father of an uncle. And I started putting it all together. Um, and eventually I called a woman who appeared to be married to what I thought was my uncle. And she she had the man and I'll call him Ted. Um, she had the man Ted call me. So at the time we were moving to a new house and I was packing up and you know, my brain is everywhere. I have school. I have my children. Um, this is happening now. We're moving. This is crazy. But it, when I saw that phone ring, I knew, I knew this was it. I knew my answer was coming. I, I don't know what it was, but in my gut, I knew. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of was in an okay place. I thought, what have I got to lose? And his first words to me were, so you think we're related? <laughs> like I said, hello. He said, so you think we're related? Mm. As we talked, I said, well, you know, I'll tell you what I know if you tell me what you know. And he was like, that sounds great. So I shared of what I knew from 68, which ironically is exactly 50 years at that time, 2018 and and 68. It was exactly 50 years since my mother would have been pregnant with me. And I kept hearing him in the background going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he says that, well, I knew your mother. And at this point, I still think I'm talking to an uncle. Um, Yeah. 
as far as I knew, this this guy was deceased. The person I'm looking for, I thought I was talking to an uncle who would say, and I thought, well, that's interesting. He he met my mother. Um, and he shares parts of the story that fit and things that I didn't share, like what she looked like, where she lived, like where she was from, because she was away at college, and that she just left college abruptly, like she just disappeared. Um, it was not a one night stand. They had been seeing each other for, I don't know what period of time, weeks, something like that, weeks, months, I don't know. And he said, you know what this means, don't you? And I was like, I mean, it, I, I'm a pretty smart person. And I'm thinking, no, I really don't. This, this just cannot be happening. Um, so it clicked and I went, are you the person I'm looking for? And he's, I, he said, yeah. He said, I just put a fake name in that system because I don't want to be bothered by stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, because his child was managing the tree, um, the one that didn't respond to me. So I couldn't believe I was talking to this man that's now my biological father. I mean, my mind was blown. Um, and yet it was one of the most natural, humorous, easiest conversations I've ever had. I didn't miss a beat with it either. I said, I paused and I said, well, congratulations. It's a girl. And he laughed and we just, it was the funniest. Thing. Like, that's not even really like me. I'm a little, a little bit more serious. I mean, I have a really funny sense of sense of humor, but there was something with the comfort and the ease in talking with him that felt that is how I should react. It was hysterical. So, um, that was the summer and he wanted to meet and I just wasn't ready for that. I just couldn't, I couldn't even wrap my brain around all of this stuff. Um, I also didn't want to waste time. He's in his seventies, but I, I just couldn't do it right then. So we texted and we talked and I told him, you know, listen, I'm, I have a dad. I'm, I'm good. Um, I just would like some health information and maybe you get to know you and, but that's going to have to be a little slower for me. And he spends his time in different States. Um, so he wasn't like a town away. He was, you know, the closest he would be, would be three and a half hours at any given time. That's the closest. Most of the time he's several States away. So I waited until Labor Day weekend and I was ready. And my husband and I drove um, I don't know, six or seven hours to where he was. Um, he knew I was coming. Um, and it was it was wild. It was fantastic. Um, we spent time talking. We watched college football. We talked more. We looked at pictures. Um, uh, the Facebook group that I was attached to at the time, um, the members had suggested that maybe I take um, an album of my life um, so I did that. So I pulled pictures and I put it together to, to show them from like birth until, you know, all the major events. Um, it was really great. Um, as good as something like that can go when you're meeting your biological father, biological daughter at 49 and 71. I mean, it's, it's a really just a crazy experience, but you know, he's, he's my person. Um, he's really my person. I hear people say that and I totally get it. Um, we have similar humor. Now I know where my eyes come from. I mean, I didn't, that science stuff didn't work. And I thought, well, that's just weird. Well, now it all makes sense. You know, how did I end up with blue eyes and nobody else had blue eyes? And it's, it's something, but you know, this, this changes you. You're the same, but you're not. The narrative of your life uh, changes because suddenly there's this additional information. We have to figure out how to incorporate it into our existence. Um, people you grieve um, that you'll never meet who didn't get to meet you. You know, I'm never going to know the grandmother and his brother that died. And, you know, these experiences you can't get back, but I wouldn't want to trade in what I have because all of that got me here. And it's, it's such a complicated, interesting experience, but, you know, life uh, events that can't be attended. Um, 
Your brain has to make sure all of that becomes okay. But it can make you sad and angry. And then you remember that there's good in this too. And sometimes like that, the cycle starts all over until we figure out how to really incorporate it all and get into a new normal. And I don't even know if it ever really does get all the way to normal yet. You know, I'm, I'm not there, but generally I feel okay and adjusted now, but it's taken so much time. Um, the benefit so far is that we don't have a negative history with each other. You know, um, he didn't yell at me as a dad growing up and he didn't annoy me. Um, when he was a father, because I missed all of that stuff. So we start at this new point where we can kind of show ourselves as who we are. You know, we're, we might be robbed of time, but at least we can start pretty evolved um, as adults and open the relationship fresh, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's true to meet someone as an adult. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You missed all the difficult times in some ways, not that difficult times don't come, but you know, as a kid, they're more frequent, I think. How is the relationship with the half-sibling? Um, my half-sibling? Yes. Was there your biological father's account being run by his... Yeah, his, yeah. He has, um, yeah, he has two other daughters. Um, they're younger than me. Um, he was not, um, he hadn't even met their mother when he knew my mother. So there's no affair overlap or anything. He was a young guy also. Um, I have two half sisters. I haven't met them. They are not feeling this at all. Okay. So um, I'm okay with that for now. It's starting to get to me a little bit. It, it didn't for a long time, but I really like him and he is all in. He's great with them. He's great with me. He talks about me in front of them. They've asked questions that he's answered. Um, but I think they have some loyalty to their mom who's still living and, and I can respect that. Um, they didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. So if it takes them a while to, to want to jump in, you know, I can be patient with that, but I wish they would. I, you know, I had a half sister, but we were 16 years apart. We never were really close and I've been an only child and be kind of fun to have siblings and see what that whole experience would be like. The one I look, she and I look a lot alike. Um, in my opinion of the pictures that I have seen, I'm always amazed. She's younger. So she's, less wrinkled, but she's, <laughs> <Stop that. laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is what you're going to look like in a few years, sister. So um, I can say, you know, I was extremely angry at my mom initially. Um, you know, she's deceased. What am I going to do with that? Right. But she had always let me down as a kid and as a teen. And I just felt like this was just another awful thing that she did. You know, mm -hmm. it, it took me time to work that out since I can't talk to her. And maybe that's partly why I have good boundaries, because if she would have been in my life, it would have been chaos because the choices that she made with her life. And I wouldn't have wanted to be around that once I understood. Um, but what I believe now is that she couldn't mother me. She just couldn't. Um, I represented some kind of shame or mistake, um, some diversion of her life plan. I, I don't know. I can't ask. But but I, I do when I reflect back and think about her. Um you know, I, I believe she knew that she was pregnant to Ted, the biological guy. Um, she was dating my dad at the time, and I think she couldn't disappoint her father or, or my dad. So the story became that I was my dad's, which is why I think they backed up the dates. So I could have been, you know, he could have seen my mother in time to have said he was the father. And I think my grandmother knew about this, and I believe that they both concocted the story and um, that my grandmother told my mother she needed to marry my dad and, and move on. And I don't think it was done in, 
in spite or anything mean. I think it was just, okay, this is the situation, you know, we're going to keep the baby and you're going to have to marry him and start your life now. Um, you know, my childhood memories come back and it makes sense. Um, so my mom had me, which obviously I'm grateful for. She left me with a man who had a big family. Um, so I think she expected that I would be well taken care of. And then she left, you know, my dad struggled his entire life, not being with my mother. Um, she was his world. Um, I don't think she ever felt the same way about him. He was and is depressed and anxious. Um, I think she felt guilty saddling him with another man's child and then couldn't be around either of us. Um, I would suspect that this is why her drinking was terrible. You know, it makes me incredibly sad because, you know, when I was 20, 40 seemed really old. And then I hit 40 and I went, oh my gosh, like this is tragic that she lost her life at this point because she was so unhealthy. Um, but I am happy that I didn't have to be in her unhealthy life. I had enough of my own, but my dysfunction where I was was far better than I think what her life was. So it couldn't have been easy uh, with her addiction. And as a kid, I just didn't understand. I just thought it was me. The tears I cried missing her were immense. Um, you know, I feel for both of us. I think being a mom to two daughters, I have compassion for her in a different way. I, I don't understand how she could have left me. Um, I'm trying to make sense of that. Um, because I cannot even imagine, you know, leaving my kid. I just, I, I can't absorb that at all. I, I just, my, my being can't take that on. But so when I mentioned about the weirdness where my mom and grandmother visited me in March of 2018, I'll tell you, I think this is really because that was about the time that Ted, the biological father got his test. I think they knew I was going to find this out. And I think they came to me because of that, um, you know, in, in another interesting kind of little thing, I mentioned that my grandmother died on March 18th. So when we got to the hotel to meet Ted the first the first day, that Labor Day weekend, uh, we went to the desk to get a room. We were early, and they gave us a room of 318, which I thought was fascinating, March 18th. Wow. The week before, I had stayed in a hotel because I was away for school in my residency, and they put me in room 318. And I just thought, this is just something that these people are kind of keeping an eye on me from from afar. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and then also strange, but true. Ted did his test um, and he did the MyHeritage, which is bizarre. Everybody does ancestry, but he did his test because he wanted to see how German he was. Um, he's not German either. Um, so we, we picked the same test for the same reason in the 50th year since, you know, my mother was expecting me. So um, he had no idea that she was pregnant when she disappeared. What are the chances that both of you would do a MyHeritage test? test mm -hmm. of all of all the DNA tests to take yes yeah, yeah, within, yeah within a couple of months of each other yeah wow how about your birth certificate father with all of this yeah so yeah he's still living he's he's uh how old is he 70 he'll be 72 right yeah 72 this year um and for some people 72 is very young um my no, my biological father is 73 next week and he is super youthful in comparison. But my, my dad, he just, um, he doesn't take good care of himself. He never really has. Um, his wife died in 2006. He's not with anyone now. I have not shared this with him. Um, I can't tell him he, his anxiety is really high and his depression is treated, but is, you know, it's paralyzing to him in some ways. I just don't see the benefits of telling him at this point. He is alone. He only has me and my husband and my daughters. And 
um, I just feel like I can't have another piece of my mom hurt him now. He's not internet savvy. He doesn't ask about my school or what I study. So, so far he's, he's pretty clueless. Um, in the sweetest of comments, my biological father, Ted, uh, once shared with me early on that he wishes he could meet my dad and thank him. And I thought that was pretty special. Oh, that is sweet. Yeah. I thought that was pretty great. And completely understandable. Yeah. You, yeah. You're, you're, so your dad is, you believe, in the dark. He never gave any indication that um, he thought you were someone else's child? No. Okay. No, he never did. No. And I it never did. And I, I think he would just be devastated. I mean, I look enough like him, you know, I'm Caucasian with brown hair and um, I'm not super tall, but I'm average. And I just, I just about fit in. Although I, I have looked at my family in a different way, the, the paternal side, now the uh, birth certificate paternal side, and I don't look like them. I don't like perpetuating the secret. Um, I don't, um, it's upended our lives. I mean, none of us asked for this, even, even, Ted, the birth certificate father, he didn't ask for this either. Um, as a mom, I, I don't like asking my daughters to keep this secret from their grandfather. I don't. But I, I truly have to do what's best for my dad. Um, and I think most everyone respects that. You just don't understand unless you're in it. Um, I believe yeah. in the truth under almost every single circumstance. But this is one instance where I think my dad would will himself to die. And I'm not really wanting that to happen. So you know, I, I don't post anything. I don't put anything out there. I don't talk to people. You know, the biological father has come to town numerous times and stayed with us. And my dad doesn't really leave his house. So I don't worry about those things. Um, you know, he's met some people in my life, but my, all my, all the people in my world understand how my dad is and they get it. And, you know, they've shared with me that's probably a good, good idea. So now finding out you're an NPE has changed yeah. your life in many ways. Yeah. Can you talk at all about what you've been, I suppose you probably can't talk about what you've been working on. <laughs> I can talk a little bit. I could talk a little bit about it. Not too much yet. In a few months I can, but so this happened, you know, in 2018, I had started my doctorate program in 2017 and I was going to do something about school social work because that's what I do and truancy. And I was dreadful and I was not looking forward to it. And then this happened. And um, I met with a professor at my university and I said, you know, there's this thing and I, I wonder what you think about this if I did something, a study with this. And I guess the way I expressed it, she said, you're passionate about that. I think that's really important. And I said, well, let me tell you why I'm passionate just real quick. And I said, you know, this just happened. And she was so interested in me doing something with it. And so um, when when this all happened and I had found the Facebook group um, and I was reading about everyone's pain and sadness. I mean, and joy. I mean, I have a great story and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. But seeing the struggles that a lot of people have with rejection and sadness and, you know, many of the members sometimes are all deceased and they can't get the answers. Um, I just knew I had to do my research project in this field. Um, so I can't discuss a whole lot of it yet because it's not, I'm not all the way through. Um, but I will, fingers crossed, have everything completed in a few weeks. I'll defend in March and graduate in May. And at that point, I can talk about it. But so I interviewed many NPEs for my work. Um, I'm very proud to add to the very limited research there is out there for us um, and for professionals. Um, I plan to develop trainings for therapists to understand this um, and us better, looking at some models that we can put together to kind of approach how to best help 
those of us going through this in, at the time. Um, definitely a loss and grieving component to this, uh, for sure. We all, I think, probably know that, obviously. Um, the name of my dissertation is The Day of Secrets is Over. Um, I'm looking at the impact of learning about paternity through an entertainment test, right? Direct-to-consumer DNA ancestry test and how that uh, affects relationships and families and um, what's the impact on personal identity when someone receives unexpected paternity results this way. So that's what I'm looking at. That's, that's what my study has been. And um, the people I have interviewed have been amazing, phenomenal, raw, open, um, generous. It's, it's been one of the most beautiful experiences I've had. And so when I found your podcast, I thought I have got to share because I wasn't able to share um, with the people I interviewed my story because it wasn't appropriate and I'm the researcher. But uh, I thought I, I need to, to speak my piece out here as well um, so that those who were interested can come back and listen. And I'm so glad you did. And thank you for sharing today. I really appreciate it. And in hearing about the research you're doing, I'm so hopeful and actually very excited because you know there's such a, a call, a need for this. Yeah. So thank you for also devoting your life to working in this this new this new field. Yes, thank you. If people would like to get in touch with you or, or know about you, how could they do that? I, I have an email that I put together. Um, it's Gina, G-I-N-A, D-S-W, 20, at gmail.com. Especially, I'm in Pennsylvania, so especially anyone in Pennsylvania, um, I would love to get a support group together here. As far as I know, there aren't any. I would love to, to put some work together for that. So it's Gina, DSW20 at gmail.com. Thanks again to Gina for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.